1: Welcome to the mini break your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Thursday, April 2nd. Before I get into my conversation with Chris Halliors and Matt Stokowiak, looking at the seniors with the potentially most impactful decisions to make in terms of whether they're going to return to their college tennis teams in 2021, want to talk about some of the big news that broke today from the tennis world. And of course, before I can do all of that, I have to remind you all who makes these podcasts possible our friends at Diadem Sports, you know the deal. They're helping tennis players across the globe elevate their game by designing the most innovative performance tennis gear on the planet. The Elevate 98, the Nova 100, their two premier rackets on the market. So they've got five sets of strings, incredible tennis balls, great swag from hooded sweatshirts to the drawstring bags, everything you could need, your one-stop shop for all tennis needs during this time. And of course, again, we are so grateful for their continued support, the way you can go support our Friends at Diadem. Go to their website, diademsports.com. Use the promo code CR50, 50% off your order. And seriously, we talk about it every day. Uh, You know by now we trust our friends at Diadem and we think you should as well. Uh, So, really appreciate their continued support. So, go check out their website, diademsports.com. That being said, let's get into the storylines and I'll try and do these quickly because I know it's a long podcast ahead uh, with Chris and Matt. But we had a lot of breaking news today from the Tennis World. We expected Wimbledon to make their decision about whether they are postponing or canceling the event on on Wednesday uh, yesterday by the time you're listening to this but we knew that was coming and they announced their decision around 11.30 a.m. Eastern Time Wimbledon deciding not just to suspend uh, but to cancel this year's Wimbledon Championships due to public health concerns linked to the coronavirus epidemic I'll just read the statement It is with great regret that the main board of the all England club and the committee of management of the championships have decided today that the championships 2020 will be canceled due to public health concerns linked to the coronavirus epidemic Uh, the 134th championships will instead be staged from June 28th to July 11th 2021 they don't even leave open a chance for postponement obviously with a grass surface to play that not in the summer conditions would be brutally tough it takes so much just to manicure those courts to make sure they're playable for the championships and that's just clearly not going to be a possibility for Wimbledon this year so you know for them they justified their decision uppermost in our mind has been the health and safety of all those who come together to make Wimbledon happen the public in the UK and visitors from around the world our players guests members staff volunteers partners contractors and local residents as well as our broader responsibility to society's efforts to tackle this global challenge to our way of life uh, since the emergence in January, they followed guidance from the U.K. government. You know, it allowed them to analyze the impact and make the sort of projection. But it just sounds like at this point, uh, it would have been impossible for them to try and carry on. And look, I think they're all this They're all disappointed. The uh, All-England Club chairman came out and said, this is a decision that we have not taken lightly, and we have done so with the highest regard for public health and well-being of all those who come together to make Wimbledon happen. And that's obviously the key, right? This is a decision that had to be made, and it's devastating that we're not going to get to see Wimbledon this year. It, You know, beyond just... Uh, the age range of some of the players such as a Serena and a Roger coming towards the end of their career it's just another and getting only so many opportunities to see them play at the majors it's just Uh, You know, it was an inevitability at this point. More things continue to be canceled as the uncertainty around the coronavirus continues. Wimbledon was just another domino that we were waiting to see how it was played out. And look, uh, there's going to be no, let's say hypothetically, and at this point, again, it's far from certainty. But that there even is tennis come, you know, fall, come early winter around the globe. Uh, there's just not going to be time to play a Wimbledon the environment won't be right in terms of it'll be too cold it's just not going to be possible to have the grass in proper conditions and so it was inevitable but official Wimbledon canceled for this 2020 season and of course with Wimbledon being canceled a bunch of dominoes fell afterwards the LTA announcing uh, that the entire I believe a uh, grass court season now officially canceled as well Nottingham, Queens Club, Birmingham, Eastbourne and all of the junior and wheelchair tournaments also gone with this decision. So, the entire grass portion of the season wiped out. And, again, grass is not a portion of the year that you can just easily move. Conditions have to be perfect. If there's too much rain, you're not playing. If there's, you know, if there's not enough rain, it's going to be dry, and that's going to make things terribly difficult. It's just you can only play on the grass courts during the summer, and that's not an option given the coronavirus. So all of those events canceled, and subsequently the ATP and WTA coming out with joint statements at the end of this discussing uh, their their further postponement of the season it goes in conjunction both statements the same they just flipped the uh, order of the quotes from the HP and WTA chairman respect you know, respectfully, depending on which article you read. But in conjunction with the cancellation of the championships in Wimbledon, the ATP and WTA have jointly announced the continued suspension of the ATP and WTA tours until July 13th, 2020, due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, In addition to Wimbledon, the suspension covers the entirety of the European grass court swing, including ATP uh, events in Bosch. I butcher that pronunciation, but leave that in Westhoff. Stuttgart, London Queen. Hollow, Mallorca, Eastbourne, as well as the WTA events, there as well, Nottingham, Birmingham. Berlin, Eastbourne, and Bad Homburg. Uh, the suspension comes into effect at all levels of the professional game, including the ATP Challenger Tour as well as the ITF World Tennis Tour. At this time, tournaments taking place from June 13th, 2020 onwards are still planning to proceed as per the published schedule. The ATP and WTA realize the importance and responsibility to prioritize the health and safety of the tennis community and general public while assessing the feasibility of the tour's resumption. And again, I have to be honest, I think they nailed the this one. I think they got it spot on. Uh, it was going to be impossible with any sort of confusion, and that was part of the uncertainty around That is why so many players we've talked to recently on the Correct Interviews podcast are frustrated, while so many are frustrated, it's because there's been no uh, coherent and unified statements across so many of the announcements we've heard started when the French Open was kind of like, yeah, we're just going to move to September, and then, you know, them moving. It's like, well, all of our clay courts events are clearly going to be canceled, uh, but this wasn't all announced at the same time. I'm here Wimbledon and uh, you know all of the LTA events for the summer they all announced it at once and it became very clear that this was coming they organized their statements they all came out in a matter of minutes separated from one another it was okay Wimbledon's canceled wasn't mean for the grass court season well five minutes later the ATP and WTA have come out and said we're canceling the grass court season as I mentioned challenger season canceled or postponed till July 13th as well uh the ITF as we mentioned postponed until July 13th as well so all of these dominoes beginning to fall and if you do want to read more about these things again you can go find those statements on the ATP and WTA websites in particular about Wimbledon and suspending the tour till July 13th uh, there is some positive news they're going to be using the well, positive with a grain of salt I suppose um, but you know they're going to begin using with the Wimbledon facilities as part of the National Health Services in London distributing medical equipment and offering the use of the facilities to NHS and to the London Resilience Partnership, the collection of agencies in London fighting the battle against COVID-19. We saw uh, the U.S. Open use the U.S. Open grounds to for something similar on yesterday's podcast, so good to see that spreading, uh, you know, spreading is the wrong word, but good to see multiple tournaments following that lead as well. Uh, There's also some other really interesting things, one of the big facts floating around today. This is the first cancellation of Wimbledon since World War II, and Danielle Rossing uh, from Forbes wrote about that today coronavirus other times wimbledon has been canceled is the name of the article you know the last time there were bombs there were you know chickens and donkeys roaming the car parked armed forces stationed there this is obviously different than that but uh it certainly speaks to they they didn't again handle this cancellation lightly. It speaks to the growing concern and how we all want to get through this coronavirus before we worry about anything like player safety, uh, you know, like playing tennis matches. I'm sorry, we are worried about player safety. Pl- uh, playing matches is something we can worry about in the future. Uh, we talked about this a little bit yesterday as well, but uh, the Times uh, also wrote about why Wimbledon's losses are covered by global pandemic insurance and why they're incredibly pristine uh, move to obtain global pandemic insurance made the cancellation decision much easier to stomach, financially at least, for the tournament. And again, that's something we talked about. Wimbledon's a cash-making machine, so they can afford to get pandemic insurance. There are going to be a lot of tournaments that can't. Christopher Clary of the New York Times talked about that in an article yesterday that we briefly spoke about. Uh, but, you know, certainly it's an interesting look at why the big tournaments can handle something like this. But it's the 250s and all of these grass courts events that are going to get canceled. You know, what are the repercussions going to be for them? We can only know uh, as we get into the future. Uh, but so, yeah, that that's really sad news. The only other update, you know, from the schedule that I suppose is slightly brighter notice, Look, the U.S. Open came out today and they said, we understand the unique circumstances facing the All England Club and the reasoning behind canceling 2020 Wimbledon. At this time, the USDA still plans to host the U.S. Open as scheduled, and we continue to hone plans to stage the tournament. They're carefully monitoring the rapidly changing environment and preparing for all contingencies. They'll rely on the medical advisory groups, the government security officials, uh, to have the broadest understanding. But at this time, you know, all decisions will be made with the health and well-being of of everyone in mind but at this time the u.s open is still scheduled to go so that looks like the next starting date at this point and again uh, you wonder more and more with every passing day, are we going, you know, one of the many things I'm sure we're all wondering about, are we going to see any tennis this season? And, you know, as of now, the U.S. Open says, yes, we are. And, you know, I have mentioned this other times, but clay court tournaments, jockeying for late position in the fall. Today, the Majorca Championships announcing they're looking to keep rescheduling options under consideration, so not a formal cancellation there. And it was interesting to see, you know, world team tennis today. Marty Fish announcing it's going to be interesting What they're going to do with players off till July thirteenth, but World Team Tennis just gave a thousand dollars to all of their players as a thank you for their continued support. Uh, We have talked about things such as universal basic income for so many players. It's amazing to see World Team Tennis doing just that. So uh, congratulations, a huge applause to them. And by the way, we're going to have World Team Tennis CEO Carlos Silva on tomorrow's mini break. So be on the lookout for that. Also, shout out a little fun news to Matteo Berrettini because he got a Red Bull uh, in- investment. He got a Red Bull sponsorship in this environment, and that's a win. Daniel Westhoff would give anything for Red Bull sponsorship at this point, so Matteo Berrettini's got one up on him in terms of those sponsors. But, you know, again, that those were the news. It was a busy day news-wise, so a little bit of a monologue for you at the start. But we have a really fun podcast, again, the NCAA on Monday, which feels like six years ago. is all Wimbledon today, but they announced they are going to grant an extra year of eligibility to all of those seniors who play spring sports who had their final season wiped away by the coronavirus. Chris Helioris, Master and I reconvene. We haven't gotten to do a college podcast in a while to uh, draft through those seniors we think can have the most, impactful, uh, most impact on their teams should they choose to return next year. Some of the names might be obvious for you, but it gets fun, more and more fun as the exercise goes on uh, and we also of course end as we always do with our top five way too early rankings one scenario if everyone comes back one scenario if no one comes back and by the way uh, just so you know Estella Perez from Arriba last year's NCAA singles champion Ryan Dickerson RYA and Dickey and Constant Fronson uh, for Baylor those three players all announcing they will be returning I'm sure we will continue to hear more and we will update you with as more of those names filter in. But for now, enjoy my conversation with both Matt Stokowiak and Chris Haliors talking NCAA decision and those implications. Joining me on today's podcast, as they do whenever we're talking college tennis, and after the NCAA's ruling on Monday to extend an extra year of eligibility to this year's senior class, uh, all of those spring sports seniors who lost their season due to the coronavirus pandemic, uh, and that means we're talking college tennis. So I'm thrilled to have these guys on the show today. Let's start where we always start: the former four-star recruit on tennisrecruiting.net, one of your favorite writers at our website, CrackRackets.com. And of course, the older brother of Duke senior Nick Stachowiak. It's Matt the to Stachowiak. Matty, how are you doing? Long time no talk.
2: Yeah, Gruskin. I, I can't believe I'm actually saying this, man. But it is it is pretty good to hear your voice. I, I never thought we would get to that point, but man, it's it's good to hear your voice. I'm I'm hanging in there. Um, you know, obviously with, with everything going on, it's it's been tough for all of us. But uh, happy to be on here chatting with you guys about some college tennis. It's been a little while.
1: Yeah, I have that same conversation with super producer Daniel Westoff every day. I'm like, you hear my voice at all times. How can you even talk to me? And his answer is usually that's why I don't uh and so we always have uh you know yes my it's great to hear your voice as well maddie and it's always an excuse whenever we're talking tennis no one brings the enthusiasm quite like you so i'm looking forward to that distraction from the daily stresses and of course the old man also joining us on the phone tonight i haven't said it in a while but i've still got it on the top of my mind the forefather of the college tennis ranks formula predictions never far from the listed utr and one of the many dames who roots for the liberty flames chris hallioras chris welcome back to the how are you doing?
3: hey, i'm I'm doing good. I mean, it's again, this at least now we've gotten to record a couple pods since uh, since everything kind of broke out here and and uh, give us give us some good news to you know something to something to talk about to take our minds off everything else going on. so it's uh, it's a good thing.
1: Well I needed you to translate the other Chris Chris Woodruff's language I know you Chris's have your own dialect when we interviewed him last week but you're right it's good that we both get our reps still going and of course it's always a pleasure to chat with both of you and the reason I brought you both on as I mentioned at the top the NCAA making their announcement on Monday spring sports seniors getting an extra year of eligibility we talked about it yesterday with Andy Katz and sort of went in depth read, read through the NCA's decision but I'll I want to start with you, Chris, because I know you have spoken your thoughts on tennis Twitter of what we know, what we don't know thus far, but curious what you thought when you saw the NCAA's ruling and what questions you still may have regarding how it's all going to, you know, play itself out.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, my first thought was a little surprised um, because that was kind of the extreme, I think, was... you know, we we knew they were going to give some sort of eligibility waiver and something back. And, and my gut said, yeah, they'll, they'll give it back, but they'll have to pick a number, you know, bigger than four and a half and eight in terms of scholarship limits for the for the guys and gals and, you know, maybe go five and a half and nine or something to allow them to come back next year. But uh, basically what they did was they passed the onus of the financial responsibility onto the school, which is kind of, you know it's a little bit of a shaft from that side um, because now, you know, some schools can afford it. Some schools can't, they offered some assistance in the NCAA student fund, but student assistance fund, but that's generally bit, that's never been used for scholarships and it's also not a lot of money. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, But, but to go full bore and say, Hey, next year it's basically unlimited. And, you know, all your, all your returning people that who that would have exhausted eligibility last year, can come back, not count against the cap. Uh, you know, that's a that's the extreme. I didn't think they'd go that far. So, yeah, so I just- surprised a little bit in, in that respect.
1: Yeah. So to rehash some of the things that we talked about with Andy. Um, I, of course there are. Some positives and negatives I agree Let's start with the positive And so often It's easy to nitpick And say Well they still got this wrong They got this wrong But just the fact That they Went the full nine yards And they let these Spring sport athletes Have a season back When you know Tennis players Yeah you play individuals In the fall And we had gotten Through the indoor portion Of the year But the meat of your schedule April, May And they obviously Were robbed of that And just the NCAA's Willingness to do this uh, It's commendable It's something that Deserves to certainly Be applauded from the get-go now you're absolutely right in a couple of things you mentioned in the scholarship uh in the wording and the way it's phrased is you know schools have the option to extend the same amount of scholarship to a player that they were on as a senior or you know say hey we're not going to offer you that much we're only going to offer you this much or can you accept any of the financial burden and certainly there are problems for that you know there will be programs across the country that are like well we actually don't want you back so if you want to come back you have to pay your own way or whatever it may be and Look, the financial hit of this coronavirus, they lost the March Madness Tournament. That makes so much money for the NCAA. They lost all of these various sports. And, you know, we talked about, again, with Andy Katz yesterday, the revenue implications. And those are going to be extreme. Would it shock me if some programs have to cancel certain sports? No, not at all. That's how big the windfall of this impact is going to be. But, again, to get back to just the larger point of why this is a good thing, I mean— these seniors who were robbed of their experience, Matt, your brother, Nick is going to have the chance to go back and you don't have to speak for him if you don't want to, but I'm curious, you know, having that sort of uh, personal relationship with this ruling, what your thoughts were on the decision.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, first and foremost, overall, look, they, they got this decision right. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. They did the right thing. The NCAA did. I'm happy for that. Um, and, and that is the main thing to allow these guys, you know, to, come back for one more chance that were robbed you know, of that opportunity. And obviously nobody saw this coming and very unexpected. It's, it's unprecedented. So, you know, the NCAA, you know, they they decided that they were going to let these guys come back. I agree with that decision. Now there, there are going to be some roadblocks. I mean, and I don't even know if we've thought about everything that could potentially come up here. You know, you guys already mentioned, you know, the scholarships and, you know, some of the schools that are are better off financially and some of the ones that aren't, Yeah, there's going to be some issues with that, but we can deal with those at a later time, right? As we get closer to it, there will be a time to address those issues, I think. But so early on at this point, I think we just have to look at the broad picture and say, hey, they made the right call here. I'm happy about that. Good for the NCAA. Yeah,
1: I think that's a fair point, and I want to ask about the scholarship uh, reduction. So I think it's just the one year that it's unlimited, and so I know there's still a question of, is that extra year of eligibility going to go to non-seniors? Will all spring sport athletes just be considered the same uh, in terms of experience or whatever uh, word you want to use with? Will they be freshmen? Will they be sophomores the same that they were this past season? I know that's not worked out. Another thing that we we talked about yesterday, but bears worth repeating, especially in a sport like tennis— Uh, It seems impossible that the NCAA isn't going to give a one-year transfer waiver to any senior that wants it and there are schools that can't bring back grad students, which would be the case for a lot of these seniors. Uh, if they were to come back, they would try and do grad programs or uh, you know, maybe, again, a coach doesn't want to extend that same sort of, financially, that same sort of spot to a kid. Uh, it's just with the amount of social pressure, I mean, it's clear that the social pressure played a role here in getting the NCAA to uh, agree to this extra year of eligibility, but there there's no way they they're not going to allow seniors to also, tra- you know, to not transfer. They'll certainly allow them to do just that. But, you know, from a scholarship perspective, Chris, we, when we talked about it with Coach Woodruff, he talked about, look, money's going to be tight for so many athletic programs starting this year, and there's no guarantee that they're just going to go right back to making the same levels of money that they were. And so, even for if it's just one year. I mean, it's not – I don't know. What do you expect from a scholarship standpoint? Do you think we're going to see a large retention rate? Do you expect these seniors to come back? And this will get to our exercise in a second. But, you know, there's not pro tennis either. So the idea of turning pro right now – it would just be poor timing, and I'm not trying to say you know that could be direct considered direct shade at Oliver Crawford, who just turned pro for Florida. It's not. You get it. Sometimes you're just ready to go, but on the other hand, why turn pro right now when you don't know when the next event's going to be? Why not just stay within the confines of your school? Let's say, you know, God willing, things are back to normal by September. Go train there for a couple of months. Have facilities open to you as opposed to just going pro right now. I don't know. It's fascinating, Chris, isn't it? Yeah. And I
3: think it'll be interesting to see with the, you know, we're likely to be talking about a lot of the top guys here. Right. And it'll be interesting to see how that goes, where, where it gets more interesting. Right. Is So, you know, let's, let's say that you're not somebody that's got eyes on trying to play professional tennis. You know, maybe you're one of these seniors. That's uh, you're either a, a mid to bottom lineup guy, or you're a mid major player. That's not, you know, not number one. And, you know, you're you're maybe a you know 13 two or, or under a kind of guy that's you know you don't really have those aspirations if you've already got a job lined up, you're you're not coming back, right? I mean that's that's the normal co- the normal college path for kids that are going to to get used they're using tennis to get their education and get get in the business world. Now these these kids that we're likely to be talking about that are going to at least try at some point to play pro tennis. I think we're gonna see some interesting things there, and that is one of the biggest questions that I've got is how things will be handled from an academic standpoint. So let's say, let's say that we talk about 20 kids that are all probably thinking they're gonna play tennis post-college, but now they've got the opportunity to potentially come back. And let's say, let's say that 15 of those 20 kids graduated in May how do they get to come back? Do they have to enroll in a master's program? If they, for the, for the, fifth, for the five kids that didn't graduate, uh, you know, they can come back because they're still working towards their undergrad degree. But the other kids, what do they have to do now? Uh, I, I think that's gonna be interesting.
1: Yeah, these are all things to talk about, and you're right, today's conversation, which we're, uh, you know, the exercise we're doing, will focus on a lot of those top seniors that if wouldn't shock any of us if they have pro tennis aspirations as well, and how a lot of these seniors are going to affect some of the top schools in the rankings that we saw this season, but you're absolutely right, think about all of those, you know, a team, I, I'm not sure how many, ros- this is just an example, but, you know, the Pepperdines of the world, or the UC Irvines, the San Diegos, just all of those mid major Major schools, let's say you are having a great tournament, but you were ready to move on, and you know they don't have the financial budgets of the top schools. So, you, as much as these seniors may want to come back, it's can they? And if the answer is no, just financially, it's not feasible, then yeah, are they going to choose to transfer somewhere else? How does that affect the balance of play? There are so many things still to play out, and of course, we will continue to talk about all of them and more uh, throughout these next couple of months. But what I wanted to do today. Focus on the positive side, let's have a little fun on this podcast. So I brought us together to talk about some of those top seniors and the ones we think have you know the biggest choices to make the could make the biggest influence on the results we see when college tennis returns whenever that may be. Uh, hey great shot on that rhyme there and you know sort of spitball them around, say the guys we think are going to come back are not going to come back and end of course with our top five power rankings, one edition of if everyone comes back one edition of if none of the seniors come back and what those rankings look like heading into 2021. So in terms of the rules, it's very loosely based. Do you have to have this player come back to the same team they were on? Uh, No, but we're going to talk about that, obviously, because it's hard to imagine a lot of these top seniors coming back and going to a different school. Uh, But it's also going to be a snake draft. You know, one goes first, then two, then three, then three, then two, then one. And I picked in my head because I sort of screwed the format on him a little Bit at the end. Mastikoyak, give me the first pick in terms of the most influential seniors, the one you would want back most for your 2021 team.
2: Yeah, this, this one's easy for me. Will Blumberg. Um, I, obviously, you know, I, I watch him a lot here in North Carolina. Um, just the impact that he's had on that program in Chapel Hill. I mean, th- they are a legitimate title contender, right? I mean, with the squad that they had this year. He was going to be leading the charge at number one. This guy's unbelievable doubles player, singles, everything, leadership, pretty much everything you want in a guy on your team. So for me, that's it, it's an easy call to pick him. I think if he comes back, I mean, good Lord, man, they're not really losing anybody else. They got Josh Peck, who is also a senior. But when you look at that roster, and, and we've talked about it so many times on this very podcast – North Carolina had as good of a chance as anybody to win the national title. So I think him coming back could be, you know, one of, if not the most important factor for any team in the country. Will Blumberg's my guy.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's impossible to disagree with Edward thoughts on Will. Well uh, known at this point on this podcast. He was as good as it got this season. You know, he beat Holt. Obviously, Holt was not feeling well, but he didn't lose at the National Indoors and he was undefeated in doubles until the start of that final. They lost a tiebreaker, but they had two points to serve for it, up 5-4 in that breaker. He's been one of the top players throughout his four years, and I think you're absolutely right in terms of measuring most impactful returners. You know, a lot of these guys, a guy we'll talk about later, this is just a good example, and Alexis scalarno who if he comes back, NC State probably goes from mid-tier ACC, and I say that respectfully, to, okay, now we're top three. With him at the top of our lineup, with their depth, uh, they showed what they can be. You know, they were a top 10 school at this point of the season when things—or at the point of the season when things stopped. But if you bring back a Will Blumberg, especially when you have Seguin and Rinky and Surnock and, you know, all these options, even if Peck and Sondergaard are gone as well for UNC, I mean, that core, Blumberg, Seguin— and rinky that's winning you matches just straight up that puts you in contention for a yep. national championship run and so i think that's an undisputed one i had him number one on my board chris i'm going to give uh bequeath on to you whatever it may be the second pick in this draft but you know i imagine blumberg was number one for you yeah he was definitely my number one yeah all right well uh, then with that any final thoughts on him and then give us your number two pick no well uh, so I,
3: here's here's my questions you know on. I just clarifying the rules do I have to even have a, an inkling that there's a possibility of this guy coming
1: back or if I think there's no way is he out so I, I was going to save that discussion till the end but let's actually just do that on a player by player basis so let's go back off, give me a rewind sound effect let's quickly go back to Blumberg do you think Matt let's start with you because he's your pick do you expect him to come back if you were him would you
2: Yes, I would. And and here's why. I know for a fact that Will absolutely loves college. He loves not just college tennis. He loves being in college in Chapel Hill at UNC. I know that for a fact. So I, I think he's going to be able to see, hey, look, if I come back here, I've got the squad where we can go all the way. It makes sense to me for him to want to come back and give it one last shot to, to maybe win a title. I think they can do it. He's going to know that they've got the team to do it and then he can go pro after that. I, I think that's fine. I think he'll... I, I think he may go that route. Yeah, and look...
1: That he's played pro tennis in the fall the past, I think, all four seasons, or if he wasn't off with an injury, uh, and so wouldn't shock me. Again, I I know you know from speaking to him and uh, graduation, something getting his education at UNC is something he values immensely as well. And with the bonus time, the bonus semester, all these different things, is that something you know that he will factor in as well, but. Yeah, from a tennis perspective, you know, UNC is probably one of those few athletic departments where they're like, yeah, we can give you the same scholarship we were before. Don't worry about it and get away with it. And so considering I don't think that's going to be a factor, the options there for him now, you know, I I feel like it has to be said. And again, would it shock me if he comes back? No, it wouldn't. I really would put this decision at 50-50. A lot of it will depend on if uh, and when the professional tour comes back you talk about for Will Blumberg, he's what, 22 now? 21, 22? I think he's a 98er, so he's certainly turning 22 this year. Um, yeah. at, at a certain point, you got to go pro. And if that's your dream, you want to get 22 is going to be one of those years you want to be out there playing full-time. So, Chris, your thoughts on him returning and then your number two player?
3: Yeah, I, I actually think it's very likely because I think with I think what we're going to see, and I don't know if they'll do anything to curb it, I think there's a a great possibility for a lot of these kids to all take the fall off and even take half of the spring off and show up whenever they want. They're not on athletic scholarship. They're really, you know, yeah, you want them to be part of the team, but it's kind of like a freebie bonus that you get. And I don't, I think we'll see a lot of these kids take the fall off and then come and play and they may get the full team experience for the entire spring season Or they may be more like what I would have considered, what I thought we would have seen out of Brooksby this year had he been healthy, where he still plays a majority of pro tournaments and fits in the college matches when he
1: can. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. And that's a really another good question to have is will students be or, you know, will these seniors be allowed to do just that? Um, But that's enough on Blumberg. Hopefully we'll get to talk to him about him more uh, and more as this uh, progresses. But uh, your number two player, Chris. All right. I'll take uh, my
3: number two, even though I think there's very little chance he comes back. Yuya Ito.
1: Okay, give me the case for why he's number two. And yes, why you think he's not going to come back. Good, good pick, so, Chris. Was that good pick? Yeah,
3: yeah. I think. Well, I, I think in both. I mean, obviously, there's two guys there at Texas, right? Ito and Sigsgaard. But without those guys, that t- we already saw, you know, they're three, four were freshmen this year. So you're down to Waldie and Spaziri. And yes, they've got kids coming in, but that's a. They are not super, super deep. And and he was already arguably you know, what the top or one of the top, right? He's right up there with Will and several others, but uh, players in the nation, and he's absolutely super valuable to that team. I think that would be tremendous for them to be able to bring him back for another year. Without him, te- it gets thin quick.
1: Yeah, I think for Texas... Even if they can only get one of Siskard and Ito back, and I know, Chris, we heard the same rumors, Ito has a job lined up for post-tennis. Um, now, I, I don't want to say that's true or false, but if he does, you you know, you're going to go pursue that no matter what if pro tennis isn't something he wants to do. But at the same time, even if you only get Siskard back, you bring up all of those, you know, those freshmen get a year of experience this season. They know what to expect going into the next year, and it's not as though this team wasn't successful um, at the start of this season, you know, you can put Siskard or Edo at the top. You add in two blue-chip recruits, which they have going into this next season. That team's really dangerous. Now, I also think it could swing the other way. If they don't get any, they go from being really dangerous to still dangerous, but also just really, really young. So Texas is certainly one of my swing teams now. Do you expect—and I'll take this to Matt first— do you think they'll get one of Siskard or Ito back? And, you know, if they did— or if they do or don't, how does that you know change how you see them?
2: Uh, yeah, no, it's going to change uh, tremendously how I see that team. And and to answer the question, I, I today I would say that I do not expect either one of them to come back. I I, I don't think either one of them are going to come back. Look, they already won a title, right? A couple years ago. Um, well, really, just even a year ago. That God, it seems like so long ago. But look, these guys recently won a, a Natty. And so they've done pretty much everything that they've wanted to do. I think in their college careers, you mentioned, Ito with the job lined up, I don't know anything about that, but, but, you know, even put that out of the equation, just the way that I see that team now, I, I don't, I don't see either one of those guys coming back. And obviously that changes Texas, you know, tremendously. They're, they're losing their top two players, captains, leaders, everything. They're, they're, there's going to be a big drop off there and and Texas could struggle next year. You know, they're going to be a very, very young team skilled. Yes. Talented, but just super young. And, and, you know, it's going to be tough for them.
1: Yeah. I think that's fair. Siskard played Davis cup at the start of 2019, but the last pro futures event he played was 2017. If that's any indication of where he's leaning I don't know, Chris. I mean, sure, Ito's the pick, right? If you get him back, Texas is now still a contender because they have the top-end talent of him plus the depth, and you know he was on fire to start this season. I think that's a good number two pick. I'm going to transition to number three here if that's all right with you guys, and the guy I'm going to go with, I think this isn't going to shock any of you, but my number three pick here would be Brandon Holt for USC, and the reason is simple. If Brandon comes back, Once again, this team's one of, if not the, national title contender entering the season. They would bring back everyone else from a team that's only lost, came in Columbus to Ohio State, but they ended up winning the national indoors with a worn-down Brandon Holt. They'd still have the incredible depth at the bottom of their lineup as well. Uh, You know, they had two top 120 players not even playing in Fry and Sands, um, or, you know, one of those guys wouldn't be playing. They just... There it's a it's a really deep roster, but you take Holt out of there and this is not meant to be disrespectful to Riley Smith, who's also incredible, but uh you know, Cookerman plays one, that's fine, but you start to wonder who's our two through six, you know, the the depth you add when you put Brandon Holt at number one and he's an outstanding number one and it just pushes everyone down a spot. That's why they had so much success this season. If he comes back, they're preseason number one, Chris, in my opinion, hands down. Yep. I'm not going to
3: argue was, that. I think They're going to be preseason number one no matter what. So, that's irrelevant.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's fair. And I think he's number – I I mean, he was my number three. Matty, where'd he lined up for you?
2: Yeah, no, that's exactly where I had him. I think that's a great pick, uh, Gruskin. And, yeah, I mean, if he if he comes back, man, I mean, that team is, is as scary as ever. So, I, I think – I, I think that he could be one of the ones similar to Blumberg that would be very likely to to want to come back and, and give it one last run to, to win a championship. He knows that he's got the team to do it, just like Will knows that UNC has the team to do it. So I could definitely see Brandon Hole coming back. That wouldn't shock me at all.
1: Eh, 21 years old turns 22 this year um, is ranked top 600 so would have a ranking to play professional events throughout the fall and if things go well can just make that decision to go pro then of course that assumes that there will even be a fall or winter schedule of tennis which at this point is not a safe assumption to make. But yeah, I I think, again, number three, pretty obvious then, so we can move on. It's tough to speculate on if these guys are going to come back or not. So much of it is a personal decision. Of course, USC would be the type of place that any financial aid Brandon would want. He would probably get um, at that point because of what he's accomplished and certainly deservedly so. Um, but, yeah, a pretty clear choice for number three. I feel like the top three were pretty obvious. And from here on in, this is where the fun is going to start. So for number four for me, uh, this was a tough pick. And it, it's come down to a couple of guys I thought about oh, picking. Gonna- well, should I just pick Johannes Englitz in here just to throw the whole thing <laughs> off? Of uh, get get of of
3: now, now you're either going to steal my guy or Maddie's guy. Let's see who it is.
1: Okay. So this is the first guy I think uh, – Well, do I go with this pick? Yeah, no, I'll save the juicy one for my last pick. For now, I'll go with the safe thing. I'm going to go with Paul Jubb.
2: Ah.
1: Oh, my God. I like that. I I like that. Yeah, it's an obvious pick. And I know, uh, you know, you look at Jubb and the success he had last summer on the Pro Tour and where he's at right now in the rankings. He's number 519. Here's the thing. He's still only 20 years old. And he started his college experience at such a young age that for him to want to play another season, especially for a South Carolina team that made the national indoors, which was a big accomplishment for their program, but. Definitely did not have the indoor experience they were looking for and just had not gotten off to the start that they wanted. That was still a dangerous team, and you bring him back, and that team's just a year older, a year more experience. He's finally 21 years old and can go celebrate an NCAA title with the drink he deserves. Um, It's it's a compelling case for Paul Jeb. If he comes back, Chris, are the Gamecocks top 10 heading into next season for you?
3: I don't know. I, I've really got to see what they've got coming in. I mean, they, you know, obviously we're talking about the same team they had this year and they weren't. So um, unless they've got, you know, unless they do, a, they they definitely need some upgrades at five, six. If they can, if they can do that, then, then maybe.
0: Yeah.
1: I, I think it's a really interesting team. Now, again, given the pro success he had and sometimes when the money's there, you just got to go and, um, again, it, it, I don't want to speculate about any any player or school's financials, but in terms of pro opportunities for Paul Jubb, uh, would it shock you, Matt, if he left?
2: Um, no, it wouldn't shock me if he left. In fact, I, I think it's likely that he probably will leave. I, I don't see, you know, to go back to what you were just saying with Chris, I, I don't think South Carolina would be a top 10 team, you know, preseason right off the bat, even with Paul Jubb coming back. Um, so, you know, it's not like they really have a shot to do anything. I mean, they're not a title contending team. Paul knows that, um, he knows that he can play on the, on the tour. So I think for him, it's, it's more likely that he just, he goes,
1: Yeah, so here's the big thing though Why he's number four for me Is because if he comes back Now top ten is something they could achieve Now making a quarterfinals at the NCAA If the draw breaks right is much more Possible just because of the options he gives You both during the doubles point and At one singles if he doesn't I'm not saying South Carolina is going to Fall out of you know the top 30 I think They can still compete at that range but They will not be the top 16 Presence that they were this season they Would very be very unlikely. Likely to make the SEC conference tournament final, which is something they did. Obviously, uh, our conference tournament final. They be uh, uh, did they make the conference tournament final last year? It's all scrambled for me at this point. No, that um, it was.
3: It was Mississippi State and
1: Tennessee. In Tennessee, that's it. They, well, the, the, they lost in the semis to Mississippi State that's what it was the point being that uh you know paul job makes a lot of things happen for them and so him not being there would be a big loss for south carolina but certainly we could understand if he's ready to test things out on the pro tour but all right chris your number five most impactful senior and again i feel like this is where we're going to start to disagree yeah i mean
3: i i got it i mean he forced my hand maddie i'm sorry but uh you know, it's a draft. I'm taking the best player left on the board, and the best player left on the board is Lexi
1: Galarno. Really? Yep. Yeah. That's All fair. Right. And so we were talking about this beforehand, but you know, again, make the case. If if Gallardo comes back, NC State comes back. If he doesn't, not yeah, you know, I mean, rebuild Yeah, they're
3: in a lot of trouble with, without him. Right? I mean, they were. Let's. I mean, I'll be frank. In my opinion, this this season they were over their head even with him they were playing above their heads what the production they were getting out of the rest of those guys when you know you do you you stack the teams up against each other on paper some teams are just better teams than they are individual talents right and they were a good team those guys knew how to play they they played with each other and they were they were a good team without him uh it's a it's a big hit to that team if he comes back that's just like you said at the start of the at the start of the show, uh, you know, yeah, they're looking at trying to trying to stay top three with him. They're, you know, they're mid mid pack, and you know, hoping to stay, you know, above the midpoint
2: in, without him.
1: Yeah, I think that's perfectly said. Anything you'd like to add as our ACC expert, Maddie?
2: Yeah, no, I was just going to say. I mean, obviously, I watch him a lot. He is the juice that really, you know, the Wolfpack feeds off of off of Alexi a lot. I mean, without him, they're losing not only, I mean, by far their best player, but just, you know, leadership, a captain, a guy that really brings it every match. I just, yeah, I, I don't think without him, it's, it's going to be rough sledding. And, you know, they, they've, they've been a solid team this year, but I was really interested to see what they were going to do once we got into ACC play and just see how they stacked up. Because similar to what Chris said, They had a phenomenal start to the year, but I just, I don't know if that was going to keep up all the way throughout and they were going to have some tough matches in the ACC. So I just, I wanted to see how that was going to play out, but yeah, for Alexi, I mean, that's a guy that I want to draft, man. He's, He's awesome. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with you. And just a quick pro ranking update. You look for Alexis Gallardo. He's number 559, but a career high inside the top 400. He's still 21 years old. Won't be, you know, he'll be 22 at the end of next season, a young 22. Uh, So he, yeah, if he's, graduating college at that time that's not too old certainly uh that would be fine and he'll have a fall hopefully again although we don't know and for a lot of these players just because we don't know if there's going to be a pro season why not stay in school stay eligible you have a a guaranteed place to go train hopefully uh at a minimum so certainly delay that decision as long as possible although we do have some breaking news a guy who's not going to be on my announcement list but a guy we certainly enjoy talking about ryan Dickey, committing to come back to baylor will see how that influences your top five rankings but Maddie two picks to you give me your six and seven seniors
2: yep so number six on my board I have one I don't know if you guys are gonna have him or not but I I like this pick for me I'm gonna go with Val Vashiro of Texas A&M okay I thought
1: for sure you were gonna say Nick when you were with that lead up you're gonna be like I don't (laughs) think you have him on your board
2: now hey hey come on man Come on, let, let, let's let's be real here. Look, I love Nick. I'm not picking him for this exercise. Um, no, Vachero, though, look, this is a guy for Texas A&M. I mean, they were really coming on, right? They, they had come off a win uh, over Florida. I think, think he beat Oliver Crawford in that match, um, you know, to secure a 4-3 win for A&M over Florida. This guy, if, if he returns, A&M returns just about everybody else, I believe. Uh, that was yeah. playing in their lineup. They were a pretty young team. So that's a guy to me that just makes a huge impact, <laughs> singles, doubles. And again, the way that they were playing, I mean, that is that is a top five team that has a really good chance to make a run, I think. Um, Val Vachero, man, let, let's keep an eye on him because A&M could be scary if he comes back, I think.
1: Yeah, Vashiro, Habib, and Aguilar are, are as fine a top three as any in the country, and they were hitting their stride. You're right, they were you know, two games away from closing out Michigan and getting to the quarterfinals at the indoors. Indoors is never going to be something they thrive at, but yeah, they had just beaten Florida, and it was a team we had all said was dangerous this season. They bring everyone back for another year. Now oh. you're right. Vashiro comes back. It's a national championship contending team, and next season could just be a jailbreak because it's, it's going to be so much fun how much... Depth and talent against so many of these top teams could potentially have. And even if they don't get Vastro back, you still have Aguilar, Habib, Schachter, uh, Guido Marcon. You still have Barnaby Smith as well. It's still a really good team. But I mean, Chris, Vastro comes back. Is that your SEC conference favorite? Oh,
3: no question. I mean, yeah. yeah, He's, I mean, with, 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 given that Florida has has lost Crawford, um, I mean, you know, obviously they've got they've still got tons of talent there but if you get the top three back uh, uh at a and uh, you know and and with what they've still got in in smith and shachter and then a host of guys that were fighting for, for the, number, the number six spot yeah that's a that's a tough team i mean they were they were definitely already top 10 now so uh with him back yeah yeah definitely completely the preseason favorite
1: completely agree with you well then Matty, who's number seven
2: All right, number seven, you guys, you guys. And I'm really
1: upset. We have agreed with everything thus far. Like all these guys have been on my board. I had Vachero at seven. So I'm
3: assuming that Maddie is now going to take my six with his seventh pick.
2: Nope, I I don't think so, Chris. This is a guy that, look, you guys aren't going to have him. Uh, you, I, I know you're not going to have have him. Bruskin and I already talked about this. I'm picking this player just because he's a top 10 talent alone. I don't think his team's going to do anything. But I just, this is a guy that I would want on my team. Carl Soderlund from Virginia. Okay. Oh, that was my six. Oh, okay. <laughs> right. I mean, I don't think his his return, I don't think that really does all that much for Virginia. I mean, they weren't, really one of the top ACC teams in my mind anyway, so it's not like they're going to all of a sudden become a contender with his return, but I'm just saying from from a, a big board standpoint, if we're going to rank the seniors, Carl Soderlund is a guy that can beat anybody in the country on any given day. I mean, he's a phenomenal player, so that's a guy that I, I want on my team. I'm picking him
1: yeah. I, I, again, by talent, I agree with you. Yes. Why he's lower on my board is because I think there are more impactful seniors who could come back. I and we'll get to them maybe in a second. But
2: are they, are no, they I, better? Than, are they better than him though, skill wise?
1: No, I mean, look, okay. he's, you're right, skill-wise, certainly a top 10, maybe even better than that from a senior perspective, so I don't I don't disagree with anything you said. Again, you made a very justifiable case. I just think there are more impactful seniors who could come back, and again, this gets into yes. my rules for this draft are sketchy at best, um, but yeah, that, I, that that's I just, I guess, a me thing. <laughs> yeah, that's just a me thing. I don't know. Is there any chance if Soderling comes back, Chris, we see a jump from this Virginia team?
3: Uh, I, I think it's going to be tough for any any of these guys to do it because from I think anybody that wants to leave that's coming back is going to get cat from everything I can tell get they get a they get a free pass at their current school they have to count against the cap if they transfer so I you know you got to find a school that's you know and if they didn't do that I I, I kind of assume that that's what they would have to do. Because if they didn't, it would be like free agency. All these schools that couldn't afford some of their seniors would be getting wooed by all these other schools. And how Uh, incredible would that be? I'm all for that. Hey, I'll tell you right now, if that happened, Baylor number one. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's out. No question. Bowling recruits everybody and gets them all one-year free pass. I'm I'm not commenting on
1: that. That lineup of (laughs) Soderlund, Ito, Blumberg, Galarno, Jeb and Holt is going to look awfully good. Sorry, Brooks, we don't have space (laughs) for you.
3: Yeah, I mean, can you imagine if that? I
1: mean, that would legitimately
3: be possible. It wouldn't happen, but yeah, if you were going to allow, you know, grad transfers to not count against the cap, you could just go free agency recruit the best team you could, or you know, the guy, whatever the guys could just decide all the best. Hey, let's all go play together somewhere. Let's make, uh, you know what. Let's pepper make, uh, Al Dosta We're going to Ma- the national
1: champion. No, we're going to Malibu. Come on, let's be real. <laughs> They're still college kids. yeah, okay. Um, No, I think that's a really good point, Um, Chris. And, again, that comes down to some of the things we still need to know about the transfer rules. But uh, for Soderlund, he comes back. I mean, individually, he can still accomplish so much. And it would certainly be a boost uh, to get a player of his quality back. Um, But, again, you know, he's a guy who I don't know if he has pro aspirations or not. He certainly has been ranked highly before. uh, But it's a good question if he's going to come back or not. But, all right, Chris, your number eight. I don't like
3: Anything else? Um,
1: <laughs> Do you want to start going in? So now is where you should go. Tactic. Now, let's you're most impactful. It doesn't even have to be the best. I have some funny ones, some ways to go. I, I skip Christian Sisgard because we talked about Texas enough, and obviously, they're one right. of the potential.
3: I'll, 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 I'll go completely off. I'll go off the ship impactful then because I'll take my on my board. I'll just say this my board. The next four on my board were Kova, Sigsgard, Riley Smith, and Kyle Seeley.
1: Um, uh, all in my discussion as well. We can hit all I mean, we don't have to hit but, all of them, but, who are you but if with? I'm going to go, if I want to go but,
3: but again, you know, for various reasons, I didn't really want to take any of them. I'll go with Impact and I'm going to St. Mary's and Damon Casares. <laughs> Alright, give me the case. I mean come on this kid had a I mean just an unbelievable run in the fall last year but far and away at a school of that size he's like he's a lock number he's a, he's a lock win every match basically for them until they play you know until they jump out of you know their level and start you know going out and playing maybe a USC or you know Pac 12 teams uh and even at that he's still in the matches I mean that that's a kid that's going to make you know, a point and possibly another half in doubles. I mean, he's a huge difference maker at that school. Anytime you can just lock up a point right at the top. I mean, it's great. So I think for them, if they got him to come back for another year, uh, a huge boost for them.
1: That's a phenomenal pick, Chris. That is why we have you on the pod. Matt, do you even have a counter to that?
2: Well, all I can say is Damon Casares was not on my board. (laughs) Uh, At least not anywhere near the top 10. And and I didn't rank him out far enough to where he would be on there. But, um, no, I I, look, I I like you guys mixing it up. I don't think it's a bad pick. I just – I wouldn't have picked it, but that's fine. Yeah, talent-wise, he's not going to hit,
3: you know, the top 10 board. But I will say, you know, if you go look up, uh, you know, if you want to go look UTR wise, when you start getting down into the middle of what would be the senior board, you know, you're talking 15, 20. He's above guys like Ponwith, Oradini, Charlie Broom, you know, uh, Zeke Clark. They're you know, he's right in that mix. So to have a guy at a Saint Mary's yeah. that's that level, just a huge boost for them.
1: I think that's completely fair. And you mentioned a lot of guys I have in my honorable mentions and I have the final pick, but I'll run through those honorable mentions real quick. Um, I already made my joke, not Johannes Inglitson, not Josh Peck. All due respect to those guys. I think both of their schools can. Uh, and again, this is going to be purely based on most impactful. Um, there's a couple different ways, guys, I want to give shout outs to. I mean, Ben Goldberg, not impactful. He falls into that category as well, but I'll keep him around as long as I can. Um, you know, a guy like Tim Cullen for Mississippi. Mississippi, you get him back. Given the start they had to this season, that team's even more confident. Uh, oh, you know, he's, we joke he's about, coming back. Yeah, so now that Mississippi, t- uh, that Mississippi team, excuse me, is interesting. Very interesting. Yeah,
2: I, that's. Uh, I like that shout out, Gruskin. Good, good call. He was on my board.
1: Yeah, you really do miss me. Two good calls in one podcast. This is uh, first. Um, but, you know, we joked about it. Nick, if Nick Stakoyak comes back, that Duke team, one more year of experience. Are you kidding me? That's really impressive. Dominic Starry. I think Northwestern, they get two blue chip recruits in one of them, Presley Thieneman, obviously someone near and dear to our hearts here at Cracked Rackets. Now the depth of that team it's really interesting, and they have Starry and Steve Foreman up top. That's an interesting line- lineup. Uh, you know, if uh, the the duo of Broom and Hornheffer want to come back for Dartmouth, that's interesting. Uh, I think Eduardo Nava, he doesn't have to come back because Wake Forest has incredible depth, but if he does, now again, they stay really strong. You mentioned Riley Smith Um you also, so we don't have to go through that. I think if Johnston and Beatty come back, obviously for my Wolverines, you know, now you get the depth. They out a blue chip recruit as well. They were finally hitting their stride, all of those guys plus a year. That's a really dangerous team. Uh, Kyle Seelig from an yes. impact standpoint. That's another good one who we've talked about. Ohio State's going to have talent no matter what, but he's just a stalwart in the middle of the lineup, and he gives you so many options with the rest of your depth and lineup flexibility. But I'm going to cheat here. My number nine senior is just the entire Illinois senior class. That means I'm going with Kofa Savage, I'm going with Zeke Clark, and I'm going with Vuk Budic. And think about this. If you're Coach Brad Dancer, and again, this is not to make light of this situation. It's serious times. Everyone stay healthy, stay safe, follow your guidelines. We want to get through this as quick as possible. But they get a potential redo for what was a disastrous 2019 season think about it they get to bring back everyone hypothetically and you know we all hear the same things there's one of those seniors we don't have to say him by name who's not thinking about not coming back he had some success on the pro tour and once you have success there your head will obviously stay there and so there's a case that that player won't come back but let's say they get Kovacevic, Zeke, and Vuk back plus they bring in a blue chip recruit it's literally a redo tell me I'm crazy Matt
2: No, you're not crazy. That's, that's, that's accurate. I mean, it is a redo and I'm sure they would all love that. Now. I just, I don't know. I, I I can't say that those guys are, are going to come back and give it another go. I mean, we know about Kova. I don't know if his head's going to be in it. He's going to want to go play pro Zeke. I'm sure he may have a job lined up or something. You know, it's going to be tough for him. I don't know if he's going to come back. I, I don't know. I mean, if they do come back, That makes it super interesting. I agree with you. Illinois will be definitely a team to watch out for. At this time, though, I wouldn't expect it. I'm I'm not going to get my hopes up and say that they're going to come back. Right now, at least.
1: I just want them to, so I can get another shot to predict them as favorites next year. Just be like, no, this is the Illinois team. <laughs> uh, but I, I don't know. Uh, I guess Chris, final thoughts. Uh, we did mention a guy there, Jackie Tang for Columbia, who deserves it. Um, but you know, your final thoughts on this senior class, you know, yeah, the most Yeah, guys. yeah. yeah I
0: think
3: that, I think there's a couple other uh, honorable mentions out there, probably that are from an impact standpoint, especially too. Uh, I mean, guys like. Parker win at Texas Tech uh I mean that would be a a big boost for them uh they're not super deep so bringing back a guy at the top of the lineup uh Stefan Milosevic at Minnesota um I think you got an interesting you got a very interesting situation with you know coach Woodruff that we just interviewed uh for for a, the Cracked Interviews pod last week um you know he's got he's got his grad transfer in Giles Hussey as as well as Luca Wiedemann. And they lost, as he mentioned in our interview, they whittled – they lost, like, four guys there. Uh, they, they lost Timo's daughter's little brother, Finn, and they lost uh, Scotty Jones during the year. So, for them to be – for, for them to lose those two was going to be a big hit to that team. So, I think it will be – it will be ultra important for them to try to get, you know, at least one, if not both of those guys back. Um, and then – uh I'll go a couple of I'll – I mean – you're the Big Ten guy, Kareem Aleph at Iowa, um, mm-hmm. and then uh, Sean Hill at BYU is another one.
1: Yeah, I, I, all good picks. Again, there's so many you can go throughout the rosters. It's the mid-majors if they can bring back seniors. Who knows what a year of continuity can do for all of those schools. But that gets us to our final exercise. Although – Actually, before we get into our rankings, I had—actually, we, we'll talk about this when we get to the rankings, so let's get right into those now. We never like to end one of these college tennis podcasts without offering our top five schools. We usually do top eight, but it's way too early to get into those sorts of quarterfinal seeds. so I ask you guys for top five, two editions one edition of if everyone comes back except for Oliver Crawford who said he's already going pro and one assuming no one comes back what are our way too early top fives for the 2021 season with that in mind Westoff, give me a top five ranking sound effect Maddie, give me your first let's start with if everyone comes back what's your top five look like
2: all right if everyone comes back th- this one was pretty easy for me um and really I in no particular order in these top five. This is just going to be my top five in some order, but I've got US No, I
1: want an order. You're not getting out of it that easy. No, Give me an no. order.
2: Well, fine. All right. Here's the order then. Here's the order. Number one, Southern Cal. Number two, North Carolina. Number three, Texas. Four, Ohio State. Five, Texas A&M. There you wow. go. Wow. That is – so you put
1: A&M top five. You think that yeah.
2: – Absolutely. Val Vash, so I already hit on that point right before with Vashiro. <laughs> mm-hmm. Vashiro, Habib, you've got Aguilar, Barnaby Smith, Noah Schachter, um, y- you name it. I mean, we can go on down the line. I think that team was on their way to being a top five team this year already in, in the SEC. So, I, yeah, no, I think I think absolutely if everybody returns, to me, they're, they can absolutely be a top five team. Title contender, why not?
1: So, no Baylor for you. No Baylor. Interesting. No TCU either.
2: T- no, look. See, these schools... Well, we're going to get into the other rankings. Baylor, okay,
1: that's that's what I was looking for. Okay, that So a change. We'll get into that. You're right. We'll talk about that. Tarp. We'll get into See, that. Baylor, yeah. Brooksby's
2: not coming back. We already know that. So, that doesn't count. Like, when you say everybody coming back, no, no, no. The reason why I'm not including Baylor is because Brooksby doesn't count. So, he's... I eliminated him from the process, which is why I don't have Baylor in the top five. They'd still be nice. top ten. But Brooksby, I'm not, I'm not counting him in this equation because we know he's not coming back.
1: Interesting. I'm going to say this. I know I'm going to get a text about you saying that. All right, Chris, let's go to your top five. Give it to me. I think we all agree USC, UNC, one, two. Yeah, USC,
3: UNC, one, two.
1: Okay, give me three, four, five. Three. Texas A&M. Wow! Yeah, I can't why, believe why I underranked A and M this badly. I feel like I failed. All right, this is an indictment of my list. I'm upset with, but go on. Four TCU, five Texas. Okay. So what this is telling me is that I am once again too far down on Texas. This is again if they bring everyone back. Um, yeah, I
3: mean that, that's the problem. You know, it, I, I don't think any so- of us think that they're bringing Sig's Gardenito both back, but. Right. That was your exercise. If they do, I, I say they're top five.
1: Yes. Okay, that's fair. See, even if they do come back, I still have USC, UNC. Again, in my theory, if everyone comes back, that means Brooksby as well. I put Baylor at number three just because we still never got to see them fully formed this year. And so I still put a little asterisk next to them. I have TCU 4. They were hitting their stride. We all could see it. They bring back literally everyone regardless of what happens. So they're number 4 for me as well. And then for number 5, this Wake Forest team that I have loved all season long brings back everyone as well. And so for me, there's no reason to doubt them. Now, I had A&M 6, Ohio State 7, Michigan 8, Texas 9, Florida 10. And I know that those are irrelevant. But the ga- I just do want to say the gap still between 3 and 10, just as narrow as it was this year. Um, so it, you're right. It, it's splitting hairs. I, I see why Texas plus two blue chips, if they bring everyone back, it's a scary proposition. But let's assume none of the seniors come back. Let's start again with you, Maddie. Give me your top five heading into next season.
2: Well, this one I'm I'm not doing one, two, three, four, five. I, these are all jumbled up <laughs> five. I don't care. I had to come Boo. up with these. And what I did was I picked young teams, right? Because we're assuming that nobody's coming back. So there or that, yeah, that nobody's coming back. So young teams that I think are going to be even better next year, in some form, some order. TCU wake forest ohio state baylor and georgia those are my top five if nobody comes back tcu we already hit on it they're bringing everybody back so we know what that team looks like that's for sure a top five team next year i think with nobody come nobody else coming back on these other teams wake also returning pretty much everybody of significance so I think they're going to rise. Bresky's going to, you know, bring somebody else in. They're going to be very good. Ohio State, I mean, still, they lose Kyle Selig. He's the one guy they lose, but they've got a blue chip recruit coming in, in um, J.J. Tracy. So I think they can replace Kyle a, a little bit, and they're still going to be very good. We know Ty Tucker is going to have them ready to roll. Baylor, you've got Soto, Law, Boyton, Garcia, Finn Bass. I mean, we can go on. The, and we know Coach Bolin's going to bring somebody else in. So – Baylor's going to be up there. And then Georgia, we saw what Georgia was doing this year, super young team, but they were really coming on. So I think, you know, with them keeping everybody of significance, and again, I know Robert Lowe was a senior, whatever, they they can replace him. That's fine. Everybody else coming back. Georgia's a scary team for next year, I think. So those are my top five in some order, not in that order.
1: No, it's all teams I'm interested in as well. Of course, I'm going to let you cop out on this one, but... You know, it's fascinating that for the first time in two full seasons, and none of us expected to be at this point, but you didn't mention Florida, and it didn't offend me. Nope. And. It, I cannot believe that this Crawford and Riffis little time, you know, time span did not produce a national championship for Florida. I can't believe it oh. because you're going to look back at the talent that Rodgers and just – it's incredible. Um, now, I'm not saying they're out of the hunt, but they're not in my top five either, and that Georgia, a fellow SEC team, can be justifiably put ahead of them, maybe even Texas A&M as well it's crazy because, I, again, I was on those podcasts we did two years ago, and we were ready to start talking about a Florida dynasty. And as, as of this moment, and, again, things can still change, but it may seem like that's not going to be the case. Chris, your top five.
3: All right. I'll, I'll attempt to give them an order, but, man, what a disaster this is going to be. <laughs> One USC. I don't okay. care if they have Brandon Holt coming back. They, I mean Cookerman's gonna play with anybody and you know yeah no, they lose no they, Riley
2: Smith either
3: they 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 lose Riley Smith too but I mean they were all, they were nine deep as it was um I still think uh yeah I still think they're gonna be the preseason number one regardless. Um two TCU mm-hmm. three Georgia Wow
1: four Wake Forest and five Florida. Okay. So we agree on four of the five teams. I have USCTC one, two, I have Wake Forest three. Why did you put Georgia three and Florida five? Am I did I just sell on Florida too soon? Make the case.
3: No, well, you know, I mean Florida's they're gonna have everybody everybody back, right, except Crawford and Engleton. Engleton wasn't playing so it's basically everybody but Crawford. Um, but I think it's, you know, they were they were struggling to hold a top five spot this year. They're going to lose Crawford. And everything they've got, you know, everything else they had behind him was <clears throat> after Riffis, right? It was one big jumbled mix anyway. So it, it's the same jumbled mix, but now up a spot. You know, yes, they're deep. They're still going to be deep at six. But it's the, same deep, it's the same depth they had this year, and, and they weren't able to crack the top five. So I don't, I'm just, you know, I'm back. I was high on them at the beginning of the year. Now I'm going to say, yeah, they couldn't do it. Now they're going to lose Crawford and, and just slide some of the depth up. They're, they're going to have to come back and, and show it to me now.
1: I, look I I completely agree with that assessment. I think that's why I have them down at number 10 in my list, which feels crazy. Um but I have again USC TC Wake, Georgia for me number 4. We saw them come on strong. They, you know, yes, losing low hurts, but you're right, they bring back everyone else and they have one through 8 a ton of talent. I still threw Baylor in there because I just think uh yeah, top 5 team. They just again, all as you mentioned, those Top four, plus they're going to fill out the bottom of their roster just fine. And if Brooks becomes back, who's not a senior, he could come back regardless. That lineup is just scary good. You know, Ohio State, Michigan, Texas AM, UNC, Florida were the rest of my top 10. And I do think, just like this season, it's going to be splitting hairs. We're going to have a lot of depth at the top until we see them playing matches. And God willing, we'll get to see them at the start of next season with no delay. Uh, it's going to be a fascinating season, both for the men and the women. And it's a really fun time to be a college tennis fan now of course i kept you both here longer than i said i would so we can wrap first matt then chris any final thoughts
2: no it was fun boys i, I had fun doing this again I, I wish we had some tennis to go watch but uh you know this this will have to do for a while so
1: if if you had to pick one college tennis match highlight on youtube to recommend for fans what's the one you turn to as comfort food
2: oh god that's so hard, man. I don't know if I can just pick one. I, I can't. <laughs> I don't know. There's All so right. many. I mean, I could name like 10 of them. There, there's not just one that really sticks out in my mind more than anything. I can't really say.
1: Chris, your thoughts?
3: Yeah, you know, I, I'm, my thoughts are A, I'm ready for some college tennis, and B, the one thing that we didn't talk about that I'm really waiting to see that has really has nothing to do with – the eligibility announcement is, be, but because of the shortened season, what in the heck are we doing for kickoff weekend?
1: <laughs> the draft? That's a great question.
3: Yeah, I, I, I mean, what rankings are we using to slot in the top fifteen and and decide, you know, as well as everything after that, who's who picks when, right? Yeah, I. Um, I'm dying to see that. Is it the frozen rankings? But there were, you know, you have the frozen rankings, but then they played matches that final week and never put out another ranking including those matches. So that's got to count for something. So, yeah. Do you think
1: we could convince the ITA to give us, you know, lock the three of us in a room, we get all the information, the listed UTRs, the 64 top-ranked teams that agree to play, and they're like, all right, you guys figure it out. Figure out who's going where. Figure out the most equitable (laughs) circumstances. Could we do it?
2: No. No chance. zero chance yeah. even though I'd love to do
1: that. What do you mean? I, it'd be Michigan. I don't want to disqualify it cuz I actually think that's a great idea. I would take the role seriously. I'm not See, I'm not making a joke because I would take it that seriously. Ah. No, it's a, it's a thought for sure. See, for me the, that's a great question, Chris. All-American awards, are we still going to give those out this year? These are all things lingering, and as we hear more news, of course, we will come, we will reassemble and discuss those things as we go. But, gentlemen, it's always a pleasure. Uh, again, we got robbed of the end of the college tennis season. But, you know, go to VASP.tv backslash men's tennis. You can watch a year's worth of Virginia highlights, and that's my comfort food, as you both know. But I will talk to you both soon. Thank you, as always. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with both Chris Hallioris and Matt Stokowiak talking about the seniors uh, who have the opportunity, those spring sports seniors, to come back, play another season of college tennis, uh, and particularly the men, the ones we think could have the most impact if they choose to return on the 2021 season. And again, uh, this is a topic we explored more about the NCAA's decision on uh Wednesday's podcast as well I had the chance to sit down with Fox Sports NCA. dot com, formerly of ESPN, a guy we all know so well from this time period, Andy Katz, to talk about the mechanics of that NCA decision, the pros, the cons, what we do know, what we don't know, but overall, you know, financially, of course, it's still going to be confusing, but. Just a great decision. It, it was the right decision, and certainly again, there are logistics still to work out, but this is the opportunity these seniors deserve so it seems you to knock the NCA about a lot of things, not going to knock them overall on this one. I think they got the majority of the decision correct and Again, shout out to Matt and Chris for uh, enjoying that, ex- exploring that exercise with me. It's not like we ever have stable rules when we do a podcast, but they always are willing uh, to go with the flow. A lot of other great content for you guys, though, this week at Cracked Rackets. We recently launched two new series, both on YouTube, and if you're not subscribing to our YouTube videos at this point, you're robbing yourself of uh, you know hours of content to distract yourself with while we're all trapped at home. Let's start with Overserved, our look at all the unintentional comedy uh, that goes on on a day-by-day basis from the tennis world, TikToks, Instagram, Twitter videos, you name it. We either mimic it, make fun of it, or you know, give praise to it if praise is deserved. And Super Producer Daniel Westoff up to all sorts of cool things with those series. So again, go check out our YouTube channel uh, and give that video a look. We also launched CR Classics, our look at some of the best matches in tennis history. We break down the highlights. We set the scene for each match. Talk about the implications, talk about some of the funny things the commentators were saying during the match, talk about the biggest points, all of that and more. In our first episode, Jamie McDonald and I break down one of our favorite matches of our lifetimes, the 2011 French Open men's semifinal, where Roger Federer knocks off an undefeated Novak Djokovic. That's a really fun one and a really fun series. Again, um, we, we've got a bunch of fun things coming up here at Cracked Rackets. So if you've missed any of our content, go to the website, CrackedRackets.com. For the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, it's at Cracked Rackets. Like, rate, rescri- subscribe, review to this podcast, the Great Shot Podcast, the Cracked Interviews Podcast. Or We've had guests such as Dennis Kudla and I believe today Claire Liu episode got released. We've also had Bethany Maddox-Sands back on the pod. Chris Woodruff, the former ATP Top 30, now head coach for... Uh, the University of Tennessee Vesepunka and you know so many more so again we will keep things rocking and rolling here at Cracked Rackets we always oh, we ask again go like rate subscribe review share those with your friends let us know if you have any comments as well we would love to hear your feedback I know super producers Max Linger and Daniel Westoff, who have a f- of an editing job to do as always they've been putting in the hard yards. so any comments you guys have of course would always be much appreciated shout out again to our friends at Diadem Sports go to their website dietinsports.com use that promo code CR50 50% off all of your orders go to our friends at aerobar as well use the promo code crack 30 for 30% off of your tennis energy bar needs and again that's the only tennis specific energy bar out there so be sure to go grab that while you can but for my wonderful co-hosts, Matt Sakoyak and Chris Halliores, for our super producers, Max Ligner, Daniel Wastoff, and our friends at Diatim Sports and Aerobar, as well as all of us here at Crack Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say, folks. That's the break, and we'll see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.